and the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. It is Mike, Tim, and... Oh, it's just Mike and Tim. <laughs> Where are we going? Um, <laughs> we have... Today, we have a, a Bonnie-shaped hole in our hearts and in our podcast. Uh, po- uh, Bonnie's podcast, Tim Shell, has launched... And Gombas's podcast, Faith Improvised, will be launching. Yeah. And so, um, obviously, we're excited and thrilled. Um, and we realize, you know, for some of you, that's a hard that's a hard thing to lose, Bonnie. It is for us too. Um, she's very unique to have a female voice, to have a different uh, theological voice. Um, you know, it's it's a big deal. It's a big loss, and so we, Tim and I have have done, and our we have a little team with us. We've done a lot of thinking and a lot of talking, and um, and I've, I I'll admit I've I've prayed I've prayed a little bit um, <laughs> about kind of what this next season of the podcast should look like because Bonnie is not easily replaceable, nor do we just want to run out and find you know somebody right away. Uh, so next episode, we will have some thoughts about what the next season of the podcast is going to look like. Um, Tim's growing his hair out, so in in uh, duplicate of Bonnie. So there's that. I'll keep it, it alive. And um, yes, and I will learn to love mayonnaise. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take my side of the deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so Mr. Stafford, uh, quickly before we dive into today, you you had an anniversary, correct? Yeah, well, our anniversary was in early June. Ah, uh, okay, uh, you celebrated an anniversary, yeah. and, and you Somebody did that by going time. going camping. Yeah, we went backpacking. Just Shauna and I, the someone volunteered to take our kids for us and give us oh. just one night. So we oh. went way out into the woods and found a lake that only like like a good sized lake that only maybe three or four other people were at spread out around so nice. it was dead quiet and it was beautiful and it was wonderful you were socially distanced like massively <laughs> monumentally what was uh what was if you can say it on air what was one of the most enjoyable parts <laughs> uh well the hike was Sean and I don't get a lot of time with just the two of us right so we were able to, you know, we, we only, since it was just one night, we did four miles in maybe 1,500 feet up. So I think we ended at like seven, a little over 7,000 feet. Nice. So we don't ever get time just to talk and process life very often. So that was, that was a treat. Were there tents involved? Yeah, I have a little backpacking, a little two-man backpacking tent. So we slept nice. in that. Although we like just kind of hung out in our hammocks afterwards and... That may be the way to go in the future. Yeah. Less weight. Yeah. Yeah, for my sure. My shoulders are sore and my hips are sore. Well, it's, we're old. Um, These hips don't lie. I, I will say yes. We'll say uh, the missus and I just celebrated 20 years. 20 uh, years. 20 years. Yep. Half of my life That's has wild. been married. <laughs> not quite two, two big um, milestones for you this year your 40th birthday and yeah that's it's a huge deal and and it was so fun because we're going out to this restaurant in columbus and there's a couple that walk by us so we went out on the day 
uh, of our anniversary, and they're a couple walks by us, and they've been married 60 years. And we're like, oh, Whoa. oh, okay, we'll shut up, because we were feeling all cocky, like, hey, it's 20. It's 20, everybody, just so you know, it's 20. And they walk by, and we're going, okay, all right, we got nothing. I we're saw one- a picture that you um, were wearing pants, and I don't know that I've seen that before. Dude, I'm telling you. And it was like 90 degrees here. So, you know it's a big day. You know it's a big day. Uh, so, anyway, Vox listeners, sorry for that. We just needed to catch up real quick. Um, I don't know if you know this, Tim, but there's a lot going on in our world right now. Say what? It, it, it seems like we have a pandemic. We have an election. We have a recession. We have debates on mask wearing. We have massive racial tensions, um, debates over cancel culture, and um, whether or not Black Lives Matter, um, and and so I don't know. I mean, I wish we had something to talk about. I don't know if you feel that way. I just I look at I look at I look at the tweets, and there's just nothing happening. So nothing. Such a bummer. Yeah. Um, but, so we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Till then. <laughs> no, um, uh, it is unbelievably um, overwhelming uh, how much is taking place. It's all heavy. It's all hard. I don't know how. I mean, my wife's a teacher, and so we have no idea about school. My son is going to be a senior and is being recruited to play soccer. We don't even know if he's going to have a season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just even uh, there's just so much unknown. We just don't even know, you know, what to do or plan for. So uh, Tim and I have given it some thought. Next episode, we'll share a little bit about where we're going in the midst of all this carnage. But today, uh, we've not done we've not done an episode uh, responding to questions in a long time, and so we have, good lord, we have dozens, um, more than that, and. Yeah. Um, and so we'll try to get through through several, and uh, we'll do that today. And then next week, next episode, we'll uh, kind of unveil uh, the secret plans cooked up in a lab, <laughs> in a meth lab in the middle of uh, yeah Columbus, Ohio, which and then Winnebago out in the desert. Yeah. Oh yes, 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 yes. I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Seriously? Show. Nope. Oh, then you're wasting your quarantine because it's nope. maybe the best TV show of all time. I have not. I have not watched much TV at all well, in quarantine. It's what do you think of that? So good. Uh, I don't know. I feel bad for you. So, so Breaking Bad, literally one of the best shows ever. Maybe the best show ever. Really? It's open for debate, everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so good. And then there's the spinoff that's going now, Better Call Saul, which is like a prequel kind of, and it's almost as good, if not as good. Wow, that's unusual. It's excellent, and it stays good. Breaking Bad stays good until the final episode. Like it's good all the way through. It's not like Lost. How, what do you mean? How Peter's... it stays good to the? Oh, the final episode's good too. It stays good all the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It stays it's good okay. the whole way through, which is a rarity. It seems like. Yeah. In TV. Most big shows, they you're like what? Yeah. See, I've never. I never saw Lost. Well, I've never... the first two, three seasons, two seasons of Lost are really good. They're crazy. Really? Yeah. But. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, I, I'm sure that has nothing to do with our questions. So let's. Uh, <laughs> Funny let's, enough, let's get going. If you, by the way, email us at hello at Vox Podcast, um, and uh, you know, 
We'll add it to the list. We do have what? we do have <laughs> lots of them. To our bag of questions. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, let's start out with a bang. <laughs> bang. All right. So I've been a listener for maybe a year, having found this podcast via Mike's appearances on the Holy Post. Oh, and I've listened Post. to the two new episodes this year with Mike's revelation and the therapy episode. Mm. I guess my question, while trying to be respectful, without expecting so the revelation an answer, of of the the shocking reveal of my, you know, numerous failings in in life, and then the and then the what the therapy episode. I guess that was the one after. Uh, yeah, okay. and the therapy episode. Um, so this question might be a little bit old. Yeah. But it, it, asks, okay. it asks an interesting, when we get to the actual meat of it, it's an interesting question. So I guess my question, while trying to be respectful without expecting an answer but wanting to ask anyways, is how in 2020 can we tell if an apology is real? Oh. I mean that especially in regard to celebrities, politicians, and pastors, we're so used to hearing apologies with all the right buzzwords in them, i.e. transparency, yep. story, yeah. process, brokenness, uh, stream, invite, permission, spaces. Yes. Um, oh, that's awesome. to say, outside of apologies, I remember a few years ago, it was expressing authenticity, and lately it's deconstructing that I hear everywhere. Mm. So, again, trying very hard to be respectful, but still feeling frustrated. How is anyone supposed to know what's real when everything feels like rebranding or getting buried under buzzwords? Like, randomly jump to a spot and listen for five minutes and count how many times you hear the same word or phrase over and over. Wow. Um, they go on to say, uh, it's me being upset and annoyed towards people who don't know me personally and don't owe me anything. I'm just confused about how to tell what's legitimate. And I certainly don't exempt myself. I've done enough wrong things and have wondered how I would apologize to someone knowing they've probably built up the same thick skin that I have. Oh, man. That's a great... That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, and man, the, the number of Mia culpas that Me Too, you know, produced that this racial season in our world is producing right i mean athletes throwing stuff out on social media i mean it's just like it's saying so that is a totally legit question and, and honestly i don't think you can i don't think you can know not yeah. not i don't think you can know until years go by i mean you know jesus talks about um repentance and john uses this interesting phrase john the baptist he talks about the fruit of repentance jesus talks down. about as a, you wrote that down? Well, I wrote fruit, it being like fruit is the only way yeah. to really know. Like. Yep. And, and and so Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, interesting, uses uh, the idea that you can tell true um, disciples versus false disciples by the fruit their life produces. And um, as you know, because we're all agriculturalists, we all know that fruit is something that doesn't work to grow. It just naturally represents the inner nature of the tree or the bush or the shrub or the whatever. Um, and so fruit is the stuff that your life actually produces, not what you say, um, not what you, not the pretty words that you use or the catchphrases that you repeat, right? It's the actual produce of your life as seen by the people who know you best. 
And um, in that instance, and only in that instance, do I do I think you can actually know. Yeah. Otherwise, and, and I mean, everyone keeps you know the and the more man, the more therapy I do, the more work I realize I have <laughs> to do, and um, I just don't I don't know that I would ever get to the place where I feel like yeah 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 I'm 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 there. I've arrived, right? Maybe just sort of like, oh my goodness, I had no idea uh, how unaware and un, in touch with stuff I, I have been. And so um, I really don't think you can. I, and I really think that um, we need to put a great deal of distance between uh, giving our allegiance and support to public figures um, immediately and yeah. you know uncritically and um i would uh, you know that doesn't mean we distrust experts so you know we're in all these mass debates you know our friend harry <laughs> on facebook has read you know he's seen a youtube video and now you know masks are, are not you know unpatriotic no 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 we're not talking about that but we're talking about oh, yeah, people yeah. who have vested interests in keeping a platform and that mm-hmm. is pastors and celebrities and politicians. Yeah. And what I've learned is that in my evil, um, the, all of that can be done in service of, of the, the public self. All of that can be done in service to the reputation and platform. Yeah. And so I, it's wise not to trust it. Absolutely. And the fruit that we're talking about comes from years, not weeks, not days, not months. And um, anybody who's walked through a 12 step program will tell you, you know, I mean, it's not. Yeah. The battles do every day. I mean, what do you think? I think the 12 step uh, uh, analogy is perfect because I think it is. I, I th- and we've talked about this in the last couple or it's come up a couple of times, but just this idea of repentance being that it's an ongoing participation, that it's not like a mo- like a one time deal where you're like, hey, all right, cool. I'm done. Right. I got Good. it. Good. Now yep. I'm facing this way and whatever, but that yep. almost every day the bottle, like it's a, it's a daily. And for me, you know, for me, I feel like it's a multiple times daily yeah. rechecking posture and positioning and the yep. fruit. Like I, I'm a firm believer that everybody, that all people are, um, uh, capable of redemption, mm-hmm. you know, and I've worked in the, mm-hmm. the prison in LA with all these guys that are serving life without parole. And that was just this eye opening experience where you're sitting with guys who have been on, you know, have been serving life for more than 30 plus years for some really heinous crimes, some not. And, uh, and listening to them tell their story and seeing what the fruits in their life look like within mm-hmm. these walls. And yeah, so I think the fruit is, uh, is a really important one. And the fact that everything and everybody is different and organic and there can't, I don't think there can be like a, yeah. um, stencil version. Like this is what it looks like. Like, right. Every person is a different person, which is great. And yeah, uh, a real close friend of mine named David Gibbons, he runs a, um, an organization, a consulting organization, pastors, a church called new song in, um, California. Uh, he said something, man, two decades ago, maybe, that has stuck with me. He just said, you know, don't don't trust anyone you can't see limping. Mm. And and that's in a reference, that's a Bible reference to this really weird passage in the Old Testament where a man named Jacob, who was on the run, um, 
who's a conniving manipulator kind of person, a bit, a bit of a coward, but he's on his way back towards redemption, has this encounter with the angel of the Lord and, and struggles, like physically wrestles or something with this angel. And then the angel touches his hip and, and causes some sort of wounding so that Jacob now limps yeah. uh, and is renamed Israel. Uh, that's where he gets his name, one who's struggled with God. That's what Israel mm-hmm. means. And, um, and so the metaphor is that, that we all, we've all wrestled, you know, and this comes after his failure, right? His exposure as the cheat and the coward that he is. We've all had those places where we've been exposed, where the truth about us has been, has come out, uh, and we've wrestled with God through that. Right. And, and we limp as a result. We're not, we're not the the same sort of cocky know-it-all, whatever that we were before. Now there's a limp. And uh, he said, don't trust people unless you can see it. And yeah. so, you know, one of the one of the hazards of the young influencer movement is that, you know, these are people that haven't suffered, they haven't lost, they haven't been broken, they haven't failed. And there's seasoning that happens out of that that can yeah. happen any other way. And that doesn't mean they're going to, or it doesn't mean they have to, but it just means we ought to be stingy um, with our trust until we see the limp, right? I mean, until there's, until there's, if all you see from somebody on Instagram or social media or their public platform is awesome. Yeah. Man, that's not a good thing. Yeah, you know, thing. I was thinking about that. There's this weird, you know, when we were a part of uh, bigger churches, there's a weird, like, I don't know if, how would you phrase it? Like a piety and transparency. Mm. If like a, like a, uh, look at me, I'm flawed, but it was more of like a, it became a platform of strength rather than yes. like yes. actually producing fruit that caused change. And so yes, you'd see, you know, yeah. So there's, I think there's red flags. Well, that, that can sh- sh- highlight insincerity. Oh, Tim, that's so good. And I mean, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm like, I would get, um, you know, we, we, we had um, uh, a child with Down syndrome. Uh, I wrestled with anxiety, depression, porn, and I would get, I would just get many kudos yeah. for talking about those things publicly. And as I've gotten healthier, I've realized those were good that those things were talked about publicly. That's part of how the church, uh, I think, should lead is out of uh, weakness and brokenness and honesty. But I also realized that I was using that yeah. to reinforce a public self, right? Because those things weren't ugly to struggle with. Um, or, or you could say, you know, yeah, I, you know, I've struggled with porn in the past, but that's different from saying I was up till three in the morning last night and you would not believe what I typed in the search engine, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And so I don't know how, cause you don't want to, you don't want to work out your issues on stage, right? That's not why you're there. And, uh, but there, but there's a a very subtle thing that happened that I'm just seeing where you lean into the authenticity, but you get kudos for that. And all of a sudden that becomes tainted. You know, there's only two camps you can be in one where you are struggling in private or, or you're out in public and you're okay, but it kind of creates a third pocket that's still, 
yeah. is in the private thing where it's like, oh, the kudos, the adulation kind of thing for the confession kind of rebolsters your walls in a different way around you. Right. It's it, still propping up the public self. And 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 Paul, when he pastors, he pastors out of his own life. Imitate me. Look at take note of my example. Yeah. And what I've realized is being on a platform allows me to be heroic and inspirational, but at a very safe distance. Yeah. Right? No one ha- no one's close. No one has to see Right, I just come out and sort of perform and do a good job, and I'm really compelling, yeah. you know. Hopefully, yeah. And um, and then I can kind of hole up, um, and be more truly who I am. And so I've no, I, I just when we were at Vox OC, uh, which was this little church we planted, that was the first time I began to taste public ministry without trying to be good. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so, so tricky. And so I, I, I think that what's being exposed in all of the world around us is just how much image management we're all doing. Yeah. And, and obviously some of that's normal and natural and you do it in, in polite conversation and in polite civilization. We're not just out barfing all over each other. I get that. I get that. But it's like we talked about in the therapy episode. There's a difference. Um, uh, between privacy and secrecy and, um, privacy, um, is, or, or secrecy is that no one knows yeah. the real me privacy is that no, no, no people know the real me, but you've got to earn the right to hear that and to get mm-hmm. to know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just not out announcing it. So it's interesting, interesting stuff, but what a great, man, what a great freaking question. Yeah. And this segues into the next question pretty okay. well. All right. Uh, let's see. While I do not get the chance to listen to your podcast every single time, you know what? Why? Then I don't. I don't even want to. I don't even want to go on. I, I, just, <laughs> uh, I truly enjoy it every time I get the chance to listen. Nice. As an associate well, pastor you. in a non-denominational church, I can so relate with many of the issues you discuss. Discuss. Uh, since this time of quarantine began, I have heard something mentioned in passing on your podcast a number of times that I would love to hear unpacked or discussed in more detail. But the idea that has been mentioned uh, that during this time of quarantine, instead of using this time as an opportunity to find new ways to minister and be the body of Christ, many churches are simply trying to, in quotes, provide church via the various forms of social media until we can finally get back to the church building Mm -hmm. and continue to do the things we've always done or continue to do things as we've always done them. This echoes my heart and concern completely. Going into this time of quarantine, I saw it as a wonderful opportunity to become the church in a new way. Amen. I was eager to experiment and try new things and new formats, hoping to discover new ways of being the church that would extend beyond this time of quarantine. But sadly, the senior pastor and church leaders only seem interested in providing church online until we can get back to business as usual. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, I would love to hear your thoughts on ways that this time could be an opportunity for the church and practical ways that this might take shape. Love the discussion you provide. Thank you. Wow. Great question. You should listen more often. That's kind of my, that's my answer. Then you know. (laughs) There's only one answer to all these questions. (laughs) Tune in next week. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So a couple of thoughts. I, I think... 
Man, I think that's a, a great question. I think that COVID has exposed uh, much in American culture and much in American church culture. And we've, we've talked about it on air and off about how disappointing it is that our answer is just to take, we're, we're so Sunday centric and so captured in our imaginations by Sunday centricnicity <laughs> that uh, all we can think to do is put what we do on Sunday up and call that call that our response and 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 obviously there's a place for that um but the churches that i see really i mean there's some incredible innovation like like the church i just mentioned new song that i've been a part of uh they have something every day and it's all different and it's all body of christ related and it's but but the 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 seminars the gatherings some are joyful some are social some are somber some are mourning some are I mean it, it's it's absolutely incredible um, the opportunities to to lament to grieve to talk to share um, I personally think that what America needs um, less right now are smoke machines and really impassioned <laughs> heartfelt hillsong lyrics oh. and what we need are people leading us into understanding how to repent mm. uh, in this season how to how to grieve how to suffer well now and i'm not saying suffer well because we're being persecuted i just mean um there's there's such a sense of being out of control and not knowing where this thing is going and that it can only get worse uh, are the death of big dreams and little dreams, the the inconveniences uh, that are tiny to the ones that are massive. The I mean, death it is of a re- twenty twenty vision. Yes, yes, yes. All <laughs> oh, everyone like, oh, it's twenty twenty. It's the year of vision. Oh hell yeah, it is. Oh yeah, and the vision's awful, right? I mean, what we're seeing in us as a church, in us as a culture, in us as a, as people honest with ourselves i mean oh it's a year of vision all right yeah absolutely and it's awful in that environment it is so easy to um or tempting i should say to grasp on to the stuff that's normal and familiar and i do it in little ways all through daily life now so i get where churches are like listen like everybody else we have people on our payroll and we have, um, you know, they need to still work and they need to, we need to still raise funds and all those sorts of things. But I've just seen instances of much more creative uh, expressions, but those don't often, we're not, those aren't tried when we're held captive by just the Sunday centric sort of thing. Yeah. And then I think the other issue at play is we confuse um, the function of the church with the essence of the church and so like um the functions of the church are like okay teaching the church is a place where we teach um uh, where we sing where we study together where we baptize and we take communion right those are functions the essence of the church in the in the bible of course is 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 communal and relational to the very core of it and and could never be virtual the essence cannot ever be expressed virtually um so we can we can we can put online some of the functions right here's a teaching service and here's some music but we can't express the essence of it um uh, without 
without truly meeting together in ways that, you know, we would all kind of echo towards and gravitate towards on our own. And so, so I, I think what, you know, to say, Hey, we're having church online is automatically you've no, no, we're not actually having online church. What, what, what we're doing here is we're putting a teaching event on the screen for you. And, you know, and and that's one of the functions of what we do, but that's not the thing we do. That's not, that's not who we are. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, um, and so I think there's, you know, I, I think there's an unrealistic expectation about what online church even could be or do, right? The yeah. the thing that would be the best um, is that, that, like in the first century, um, centralized content then gets ingested through individually led fellowships of, you know, 20 people. Yeah. You know, that have yeah. their own leaders. Yeah. But, you know, here's the writing of the apostles. It's centralized, right? We're not all apostles. Um, and we're not all writing New Testament letters. But that's filtered through the leadership of individ- these individual congregations. That's Ideally, that's what this is. This is um, uh, what COVID is presenting is the, the, just the most robust opportunity to experiment with, right? A small group of people wrestling through that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've seen a couple of churches do that. It's hard because um, obviously in this country, folks are struggling with um, whether they think this uh, pandemic is real or not. And that's why we're in the, that's why we're quarantined. <laughs> that's why we're ta- even having this conversation. Yeah. Um, so the, the function I've just been, I've been very frustrated with, I don't know. I don't want to throw. Yeah. It's been a weird, <laughs> this presents such a unique opportunity for leadership and for creativity and for listening and for trying to re, right. re-engage in a new way with people. And I think that it's interesting if you, like, yeah, it's uncomfortable and it's weird. And I think that's great. I think it's great that we, that, uh, we struggle a little bit with fellowship and community because it makes us, it makes us work at it and makes us invest in it a little bit. So well, there just- are... There are a few churches up here that are doing like um, small group churches uh, of like 10 or less or whatever the California mandate was. And so the the main church hub is connecting all these people into small home churches that are eating together. And then they're connecting church that way. So there is no Sunday morning thing. They just post a message or information on YouTube or whatever, and then you can access it whenever. That's right. And so it's making people engage with each other in a new way, which is exactly great. And it shows leadership in the church. That's the weird thing. Like I, I, the argument is like, you know, Gombas brought up last episode and we've talked about a bunch of times that, um, churches, pastors shouldn't be on payrolls. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we've had this debate of like, well, yeah, that makes sense for a lot of reasons. Also, it makes sense to be paid for this work because it is a full-time mm-hmm. job. It, there mm-hmm. is an, an anointing and these kind of things that go into um, leading a body of people with the gifts of kind of being able to go through scripture and the education like that you had. And But there's this weird bureaucratic sense that has come into our churches that uh, you, don't, you don't want to rock the boat because you don't want to displease the shareholders, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the leadership is often the leadership is dictated by the people that are giving the most money and you don't want to lose those people. So it's just the leadership gets weirdly skewed. Cause I, I thought this was 
like in our church, we're studying Acts. So it's like, oh man, what a, what right? a unique time period. We're actually studying Acts in a time period in which we could redefine or at least re-engage and look at what church is. Right. And we're not really right. doing it. And it's like, man. So I don't know. I think it's interesting, like the authenticity and the transparency. I, I've, just, I've been having a new found respect and love of um, following Peter's journey <laughs> through mm-hmm. the Gospels and the Acts because he's just such a fascinating figure. And um, But there is so much like real-time um, wrestling and learning with him, right? Like, yeah, he's the first yeah. Pope, you know, right? but he's, but, he's, but he gets rebuked by Paul. Like he just gets rebuked from point A to point B. The guy is always <laughs> learning and always growing and he never lets that be a, a, a period on the sentence, right? Like he, yeah, he keeps pursuing true. and keeps listening, keep trying to, um, I don't know. So I think it's, I think it's fascinating. You know, um, one other thing just on this, uh, a church historian, um, he was at Fuller Seminary. I don't remember his name, but made a point about how the Catholic Church, the idea was you would have a cathedral in a city, but the point of the the church was the were the parishes that existed mm-hmm. all around in the countryside. And you'd have a bishop presiding in the cathedral, but the bishop would travel around. And again, this was the idealized version would travel around and bless and help carry the load and shepherd in these individual parishes. So the cathedral existed for the parishes, but what began to happen shockingly is that the parishes began to exist for the cathedral. And so now instead of the bishop coming to you, you had to go there. That was where you had the, you know, the big feasts and the blah, 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 blah. And, um, and, and, and I just see a very similar thing happening in the last part of the 20th century, right? It used to be small churches dotted the American landscape. We even, you know, I grew up in a, a um, a small town that had a, ch- a street named church street. And it was mm-hmm. literally cause there were five or six churches on the street. Right. I mean, it was just, that was common. Um, a lot of those churches don't exist anymore. And some of that is because people aren't as religious. Some of that is that people have been turned off. But some of that is because now we all exist for the cathedral. And um, the church, the churches that I see that are super healthy, that are large, they exist for their parishes. They're putting all yeah. their resources in developing people. Um, and, um, and that doesn't mean it's perfect because there is no perfect. But it just means that we're less we're less captive to the Sunday morning imagination of what church has become in America. And all of us will say this, but no one does it yeah. um, because the the rewards are just too good when you're good at doing the Sunday morning thing. Yeah. You know, totally. Yep. Dang. Well, one more. Hi, Mike Erie and Vox community. Well, hello. I'm doing a Bible study with my mom's group, and we are in Genesis 1 through 6. Nice. The specific question has come up of, were there other people, and if so, where did they come from? I've heard you make allusions to there being other people outside of Eden or just other sons and daughters of Adam and Eve but would love some concrete resources or references to bring to our Bible study. Ooh. 
Well, Tim, as we all know, incest was fine in the Bible early. <laughs> no, um, that was the answer <laughs> I used to get. Our DNA was our DNA was more perfect, and so you could, and and I don't know. I have no idea if that's ridiculous or not, but I've since come to understand that um, the Garden of Eden was a, a part of the earth and that Adam and Eve were uh, two prototypes of people put in the garden, but there were people outside the garden um, who existed and we meet them immediately in the chapters. I mean, immediately in the narrative, you're meeting all of these people who are outside of the garden. And remember Adam and Eve's charter was to expand the borders of the garden. Uh, it wasn't just to like, um, plant some shrubs, sit back and kind of watch the grass grow. No, no, it was to expand. It was literally, um, to take over the world in the best sense of that, right? It was to fill the earth. Um, and, and so I understand, and, and this, this is channeling a guy by the name of John Walton, who, if you want to read anything in the ancient near, uh, ancient near Eastern world of the old Testament, um, John Walton has an amazing array of resources. That I would encourage you to check out a guy named John Salehammer, uh, is another theologian. I, I, um, I've really come, he has a book on, on the first, the first, um, sentence of Genesis. He, uh, getting, he has it, a could, book on the first sentence of Genesis. Yeah. I mean, the, and, and because it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now his argument is that's when he created the heavens and the earth. That that's the one sentence summary of when he did it. What he's creating the rest of the time is the land. Because earth, earth, world, and land are all the same word. And so to Israel, he's talking about the creation of the land, like the promised land. That's what Eden was. And so what Adam and Eve get exiled from the garden, and then Abraham is called back to repopulate where the garden originally was and that that was the land that Israel was to inhabit. And so, I mean, it's epic, epic stuff. Um, and, and all that is to say, I mean, it, it's so mind blowing because it's like, Oh, Oh, this isn't a freaking scientific textbook. Oh, I got it. They're actually talking about how God specially prepared the land for them. Yeah. Right in the middle of these rivers, right? I mean, it wasn't the earth; it was the land, and um, and so anyway, he's got a, he's got a book, and and even the first word in that um, is Bereshit, and and the word doesn't mean at the beginning; it means when God started creating, He created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> so, I mean, and you're like, what? Right? That's so different from what. I mean, it, it, anyway, all that is say, I'm going off, I know, but it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. And I'm trying, oh, the book is called Genesis Unbound. Uh, that's the Sailhammer book. It's an older book. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, look at you go. And then there's some some Walton. I'm like, I'm turning around in my chair right now, but I, oh, I can't see the shelf. There's some some Walton books that are that are pretty freaking uh, awesome. And then there's a book called The Epic of Eden, 
uh, and I don't remember the title, but then there's a book called um, by Gregory Beale. Oh, what's that? Let me, I can't find it right now either. <laughs> Um, um, but, but that was amazing too. So it, all that is to say, there's so much out there on it. My particular view has been informed by these authors and theologians, uh, to understand that, um, that they were people on the earth when Adam and Eve were, were doing this, but, the, but the, that God is telling the story of the promised land. That's, that's really interesting. That's the story of the old Testament. The story of the old Testament is land, blood and covenant. Yeah. Right? Abraham's descendants in the in the land that was the garden as a representative people to the rest of the nations. So my my view is that Adam and Eve were called out of all humanity to be the the kind of created new creation people. Yeah. Um they failed as the son of God. Israel comes <laughs> And is called the Son of God, and they fail collectively. And then Jesus, of course, the reason he had to be human uh, is the same reason Abraham had to be human and Adam and Eve had to be human. Uh, God is redeeming image bearers by using one among them and Holy forming, Lord. right? I mean, so you're you're just like, oh wow, you know? I mean, I mean that that's what that's the first freaking sentence. Yeah, that's a lot uh, of Genesis. And I'm sure I'm getting some of the details wrong, but my Lord, see that I, I'm just convinced Tim, that so much of what we're deconstructing isn't the Bible. Yes. And it's, and, and we're not, and it's not the Christian faith. Yeah. It's the subculture. It's the approach. It's the yep. hermeneutics. Um, it's the arrogance and the hypocrisy. And I, I just uh, become more and more convinced the more people we talk to, there is so much room in our world for what the scripture is actually saying and the kind of yeah. person that Jesus turns out to actually be. Oh man, sounds like you're setting something up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you gotta wait till next week. Oh um, man, yeah. I, I mean, even in the last few episodes that we've had, you know, just like I, as you're talking, thinking about like when we're talking to ends and you know, whether you, agree or disagree with him and the things that he has written and talked about the idea of being able to loosely hold a lot of the stuff that you have grown with yeah to, to find to find truth in it like uh brandon my yes. best pal you know brandon yep. yep we were hiking this morning and just talking about um he's doing a project on time we we're just talking about time and how our our weird uh relationship with time how much we hold it, how much mm. it defines everything for us now and yeah. how it didn't used to necessarily be that way because we were cross-generational people mm. but now we're really obsessed with time yep. and i remember being That's in high good. school and being like hey we were studying genesis or something i said like you know hey uh we're going through the days of creation or whatever and i was like but we we judge time based on uh this rock spinning every time this rock spins around <laughs> one time it's a day around the sun like but this was be we're, we're talking about even before that so what is time like <laughs> you were one of those day? i don't know and they're like oh well <laughs> i was like sorry <laughs> but i was like it hurt my brain a little bit but i love it that's all so interesting even this morning i saw an article um about a study that proved through dna that native americans um originated here that their genealogy goes all the way back to this land wow and um, wow. that they're not from africa that they didn't that not wow. everyone migrated out of that area and i, Boy, I don't that's know that, interesting 
I don't know how true or proven that data is, but I think it's a really interesting conversation in lieu of this. Like, I just think what my deconstruction has done is it's forced me to look at me yeah. and all the pretending I do and all the hypocrisy in my life. But it's also done that as it relates to my faith too and all the pretending and all the hypocrisy. And it. so I've, I've landed on like these planks that are unbelievably sturdy. They can carry the weight of the real world. They can carry the weight of my ugliness. They can carry the weight of my questions. But what I'm sure of, that's such a small list, right? And everything else it gets kind of thrown up in the air that you think that the that you think man if you start questioning that then all of it goes that's just not that that's not my experience at all yeah what's happened is that i've become more sure of fewer things yeah me too um the the more that they've kind of been thrown up against the wall of real life and and the context of the scriptures and so i mean that you know i'm glad to hear that for you too i think that's I think that's always been a, a spot that we've wanted as a podcast to sort of inhabit. Yep. You know, we're, we are pro Jesus. <laughs> we do think there's something there. <laughs> and, um, and I think there's a lot to be wrestled with and questioned and the and faith. It seems that, like that was a lot of his work too, right? You know, here's a. Seems that way. Let's kind of tear some of these things down that are yeah. not quite accurate yeah. or not quite whatever, but here's some firm things. Let me reiterate yeah. and kind of reestablish yeah. those and then we'll build from there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, priesthood? No, I'll be your priest. Oh, yeah. temple? Nope. You'll be my temple with my <laughs> spirit. And sacrifices? No, I'll be your sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, he, t he took the whole apparatus and replaced it with himself. And, um, and so I, I just think there's a, I don't know. Uh, do you remember the album, The Reeducation of Lauren Hill, way oh, back in yes. the day? Yes. Like, there's a reeducation of Mike and Tim, and maybe a few of us, you know, on the horizon that is really, really a good thing. Yep. I agree. So, so, so anyway. hopefully that doesn't ruin um, your mom's group on Genesis, <laughs> but there's a lot of resources to bring in there to, <laughs> to shake things up a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a, what a great, I, I always feel mixed because I'm like, you know, if, are these episodes, um, helpful? Is it good? But then we do one and I'm like, oh yeah, this man, these are great questions. Yeah. So, so keep writing them in. I think these are fun. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, sometimes these questions are even more like are sharper than our intent to try to go drum up uh right content, right, content. or whatever you know yeah. yeah like this is like this content has a little bit of blood in it and oh way. man well and and bonnie the gift of i mean the many gifts of bonnie her perspective her perspective as a woman her perspective as someone who's younger perspective as somebody who has been marginalized um her perspective as a scholar and translator perspective as someone who who got some incredible guests and interviews, you know, mm -hmm. we've talked to some amazing people because of of what she's done, and I I love it all, um, but I've I've I feel like I'm learning. We're learning so much too. I, I don't want to miss the blood 
You know what yeah. I mean? That like yeah. and th- those those questions sort of pull it out of you too. That kind and of feels so, like a theme for all three of those questions. Don't want to miss the blood. Don't yes. want to lose the authenticity. Don't want to lose the the pulse of yeah. what, what matters. Yeah. So anyway, our friends, we're gonna keep plugging along. Um we're we're still trying to figure out what the f- the future of the podcast is. We're coming up on five years, two hundred and fifty episodes, uh, over two well over two million downloads. I mean, w- never in our wildest dreams did we think this was going to be something. And the last year with Bonnie has been absolutely amazing. And um, and so we want to just take time to sort of reformat that um, and think through and pray through that. But um, as I've said several times now, next episode, we'll kind of unveil some more details. <laughs> um, we haven't hit you up for liking and rating and subscribing. And so love you to do that as well as Tim Shell and Faith Improvised. Um, we're also on Patreon uh, if you, if you want to support us there. Um, but more than anything else, we're just grateful uh, to be walking with so many of you. And we're grateful that... Um, you keep giving us fresh ideas and feedback and input and it's really a joyful thing for us. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time.